Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now to my guest interview this afternoon. He's a musician who stood up against the vaccine mandate imposed by his band, which just happened to be called UB40 with Ali Campbell. But as he's about to explain, he's bounced back. The singer and the songwriter is Matt Hoy. And Matt Hoy is on the line with us now from England. And Matt, thank you so Peter. much for joining us here on Reality Check Radio. <laughs> Your accent sounds like you're a Brummy. Is that true, Birmingham? I, Arahanui, yes, I am a Brummy. Big love, Peter. Yes, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm stuck in miserable Birmingham at the minute. Well, it's it's not so miserable. It's sun. So I can't complain. Yeah, but you've spent a bit of time in New Zealand, haven't you? In your in your life, I've spent lots and lots of time in New Zealand. I absolutely adore New Zealand. Um, if for me, if I could move anywhere else other than the UK in the world, um, it would be New Zealand. I kind of fell in love with it from touring with the band. I've been about seven or eight times now. Um, and every single time I've been out there, it's absolutely been a pleasure to be there. The people, more more than anything, it's not so much the country itself; it's the, the people themselves. Uh, they've been so welcoming, and uh, yeah, I never wanted to leave every time I've come over. So yeah, I do love New Zealand a lot. All right, we'll talk about your touring experiences here and about your life with UB40, which sadly has come to an end for reasons which will become obvious very shortly. But first, tell us about this song, Happy. It's got a UB40 sound and a feel about it. It's sort of catchy, a bit of reggae there. Uh, you wrote it and you, you won an award with it, didn't you? Tell us all about that, Matt. I, I did, I did. I'm, I mean, happy for me was um, my own personal therapy. I suffer from mental health issues. I suffer with depression. And uh, I think we all have to, people that will know that suffer from depression. Uh, that we have triggers. Um, so it was. I was just sat there the one day, and I I received a backing track from one of my friends, James, who's also a songwriter. And he said, "What? See what you can do with this." And I wrote it within twenty minutes, and it just kind of wrote itself, really. Um, and then I asked Astro, Astro, God rest his soul, uh, who was part of UB40, if he could write a middle section in the rap. Um, and it all just kind of um, landslided into this catchy little pop tune. Um, and when it was released, it, it, the, the response I received from it was just unbelievable because it, it kind of did what it said on the tin. Uh, the, it really helped people with mental health issues. Um, I would get calls from nurses and carers and all that kind of stuff saying, Matt, I can't believe this song. It cheers me up so much. I play it. Uh, before I go to bed at night, because if I've had a really bad day at work and you know I'm feeling a little bit down, it will lift my spirits. And other people have sent me messages saying I play it first thing in the morning when I'm having my morning coffee because it gets me in the mood to take the day on. So for me as a songwriter, it was just like you know I, I couldn't believe it. And for for how long it took took to write, you know it's it's always those little catchy ones that take 20 minutes to 30 minutes that you think are going to be throwaway, but they're, they've affected so many people's lives. It's it's wonderful. And then, like you say, we obviously went on to win um, Song of the Year with it, with the uh, the, the World's uh, Songwriting Awards, uh, which was, you know, just the icing on the cake, really. It was such a pleasure to receive that. Fantastic. Has it had much airplay in, in the UK? It, it, yeah, well, uh, I was flicking through TikTok or something on social media the other day, and there was a person in a restaurant, and uh, I could hear it in the background there. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's tending to get a, lot, a bit of a push in the UK at the minute. I think 
it just it's one of those songs that it's just easy listening it there's no you know there's no science behind it it's just one of those that you can tap your foot to if you want to get up and have a dance to it can um and i'm really proud of it and i'm really proud of the people that worked on it and like you said it has got like an old school reggae pop ub40s kind of sound to it um and i'm extremely proud of it and the people that worked on it and just you know it keeps doing what it does you know it, it makes people happy which is what it was intended for yeah and i just look at the lyrics i wrote some down as i was uh, downloading it to here onto my computer stand up rise up do what you do what we got to do to make us happy I mean, I can see how it didn't take well, you too long to write the lyrics, but, boy, they might be simple words, <laughs> but they say so much, don't they? Well, I think, obviously, in the current climate we find ourselves living in, um, we kind of have to take the ball by the horns ourselves sometimes. And, you know, standing up and rising up, we have to be true to ourselves. Um, and I, I most definitely have been for the last four years. It's something I'm very passionate about. Um, and like you said, it's a double-edged sword, the song, is because it can mean so many different things to so many people, uh, dependent on what they're actually going through at the time. Um, but it has been very poignant for the, over the last three and a half to four years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Matt, you spent... Well, the best part of a decade, just over a decade, with UB40, with the Ali Campbell UB40. Tell us a little bit about your life yeah. before that. Uh, who inspired your musical career? When did you become a professional musician? And what did you do before you were part of UB40 music-wise? Music well, I, I, I mean, I, I've been involved in music professionally for over 30 years now, Um I, my musical hero will always be George Michael. I, I am blown away by his talents, um, his songwriting, his, his vocal capabilities, his pr production values, um, and his, and the subject matters that he writes about, uh, or did write about, God rest his soul. Um, music for me, I did the usual route, what everybody did. You try and join a band, you try and get out there, you do the, the, the pubs and the clubs and um, I finally managed to get a deal and then I got into songwriting and then I went into session musician, being a session singer, singing with different artists. Um, and then I got a call from my agent when Ali left the original lineup of UB40 in 2009. In 2010, I got a call asking if um, I would be available to do vocals for him in his new band. And that's when I joined, was in, was in 2010 and then spent the, the next 11 years uh, touching on 12, touring the world with Ali from being him being solo, leaving the original lineup um, and taking Mickey Virtue with him uh, to Astro coming aboard seven years later after that. I think it was in two, was it, no, no, four years later in 2014. Um, and then him turning it into his um, fraction of UB40 featuring Ali, Astro and Mickey. Um, and it was just a joyous period in time. I am... Um, for me, it, 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 I toured the world. I, I went to places I'd never knew existed. And I think the values of reggae music and UB40 was the fact that um, that music touches people globally. Um, so we got to, well, I got to, to visit some amazing places, including New Zealand itself, yeah. So what did you know about the backstory to the big split? Because it was obviously a phenomenally successful band. We know that it got its name from the form of men standing in the unemployment benefit queue, weren't they, in Birmingham, uh, the Campbell brothers. But they were very yeah. successful, particularly with the Neil Diamond song, Red Red Wine. And then it all turned to custard, didn't it? What what caused the breakup? I know it was before your time, but surely you must have heard plenty about it. 
I think that the main thing with um, the, the original splitter, it was it's it's over money um, uh, and who got paid what uh, from what I could gather. I think that there's a common thread within the two factions of UB40. That there's always there's a, a lot of ego that plays there, and there's also a lot of argument over finances and, and money and, and lost monies. Um, and that kind of continued. Uh, I can't really say too much about the original lineup because I know nothing about what they did. But the, the, the band that I was in, there was even issues with the the new bands. You know, not getting paid uh, enough while we were on the road. You know, nowhere near because obviously when Ali, Ali left the original lineup and went solo, he didn't have the finance behind him. Um, to look after us properly at that point. So he made that promise to us to say, well, you know, stick with me. We will get back to where we need to be. Unfortunately, that never happened. Um, and then I was kind of, and the rest of the band were kind of locked in to that unit where we, we couldn't leave because everybody else we worked for at that period in time had thought we'd gone off uh, and we were unavailable. Um, but we were locked into a, a low-paid a low paid band. But on the flip side, we were seeing beautiful countries, but just not getting paid great money. And it's never really changed. And I don't think it's really changed since I, since I got fired either. So it was a, a good time then, even though you didn't get paid as much as you thought you should have. You were obviously very well received. Big audiences in some pretty exotic places around the planet. Well, yeah, of, of course, you know, I mean, when we came to New Zealand, we played the Bay of Islands, we played in Napier and, and Queenstown and Waitangi, which were, you know, and it, it's not so much the the, the, the places and the, and the countries and the, the, where the stage was set up and the view that you were looking at. It was the people that we got to meet, you know, and, and, and experiencing their cultures and being welcomed into their, their, their world and um, and seeing their reaction to, to, to reggae music. For, for me, it was... Um, I was kind of indoctrinated into reggae music when I, I joined the band in 2010. Before that, the only reggae music I knew was Bob Marley and UB40. I was an R&B. I was a soul boy. Um, so learning all the different styles of reggae music and appreciating it, you know, across the world um, and seeing their reaction to it was was a great experience um, and one I'll never forget, you know. And when you were part of UB40 and you were doing this tripping around the world, Something in my brain says Ali Campbell was in New Zealand on a permanent basis for a few months because he was a judge, and I forget the name of the show. Was it New Zealand X Factor or New Zealand Idol or something I, like I, that? I, yeah, but, I think it was New Zealand's Got Talent. That's right, yeah. And and he was a judge, so therefore he was resident here for a while while that uh, series went on, and it was probably three months' worth of recording. So what, did the band go into abeyance, or did he come and join you from New Zealand, uh, from a New Zealand base? Uh, no, I, I remember the time well. We were we were actually touring um, in South. We were in America and then in South America. And Ali was um, based in um, I think it was in Auckland at the time. It was, um, yes. and he whenever we had shows, yeah, he was flying out to us. I remember uh, specifically him flying out from Auckland to Chile um, to do a show out there, and then he flew back to Auckland to carry on with the show. So extremely tiring um but you know when you do that for a living and you you do it for so long it kind of you kind of get used to it and when he's traveling in in business class and he can you can sleep and they need comfortable you can lie down you know it, it's it's not as bad as people make out you know when on me that that's when the problems arise you know <laughs> how, how did you get on with with uh alistair campbell ellie campbell um alistair campbell <laughs> um 
Well, you know, at the beginning, when we first joined, when I first joined, it, it was kind of we were all in a position where he he needed the band to work, so he was he was great with everybody. I think it was the point where Astro came back into the band. We um, that's when uh, the, I saw a change in him personally. He was still okay, but he kind of distanced himself from the from the rest of the band. Um, but yeah, he's he's okay. You know, I can't really I mean anything really bad to say about. It. We never argued or anything. I just kind of moved myself away from the situations that you know were evolving later on um, towards the end of my my period with the band and, and spent more time with other band members, um, specifically Winston Delandro, who's the guitarist. We, me and him were inseparable, uh, and he in himself was a an amazing musician because he played with uh, Johnny Nash and Bob Marley and. He got a whole wealth of uh, experience in the, in the reggae industry as well. He was a wonderful man. So, yeah, but, you know, it, it really was much of a nothing with Ali towards the end. Um, it was unfortunate. But, you know, when you gave up 12 years of your life um, for it to go like that, it's a bit sad. But it's it's the way it's kind of run its course, with similar to the original lineup. You know, there's just always been problems there and, and egos. So... It is unfortunate, but it was it was a, a wonderful experience to have. Don't get me wrong, you know, but yeah, it's sad it ended that way. Okay, so it ended because you didn't take a vaccine, the COVID vaccine, and the band says, well, if Correct. you if you're not vaccinated, you can't be in the band, you can't come on tour with us. Uh, how did you That's feel correct. about that? Yeah. How did you feel that uh, you, um, you thought you were being discriminated against? And did the band really have any option? When I look at some of the press reports from the time, they say that you had to be vaccinated if you wanted to tour, particularly in Europe. So were they were they forced into doing what they did with you? I don't think anybody's forced into anything, you know, and I did feel discriminated against. And there's always options that you can can go down you know there was the route of the pcr tests you know getting the, the negative test for the pcr and I'm, I'm doing it that way um they did follow the government guidelines um which for me uh, a band that's called ub40 featuring ali and astro is quite ironic going back to what you said before that they they were a band for the people you know it was a, an unemployed benefit form um, and and it was Ali's band, you know he was he was the one who who, who forged that forward so to completely do it a a flip on its head uh, and then followed the government guidelines and, and sack somebody who's, you know, give 12 years of loyal service simply not only because I didn't want to trust an experimental vaccine, um, but also I had a pre-existing condition called atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heartbeat. And I'd been advised um, by my doctors, not, you know, not by my doctor, I've been advised not to take it because I'd had the flu jab before uh, and it, it set my heart um, irregular because I had um, a condition where I had a, sorry, not a condition, I had, um, I went to hospital, it's called a cardio version and it's an electric shock treatment that sets your heart back into rhythm. And once I'd had the flu jab afterwards, which I was advised to take by the doctor, it, it, it knocked my heart back out to an irregular beat again. So to have a vaccine that was similar to the flu jab, there was no way I was going to risk, because, you know, it could have resulted in, in death, unfortunately. So I was kind of pinned against a wall. Um, so my better half, she said, look, you know, you've, you've been with him for 12 years. You need to get this in writing just to cover your own back, really. So I just said, well, you know, unless I take the vaccine, um, I take it I'm no longer permitted to perform or do anything else with, with, with the band anymore. And they said, yeah, that's correct. And ironically, um, 
once they did go out and play live, all the band got the COVID jab. Um, they did a gig in Leeds and they had to cancel the show anyway because three of the band tested positive for, for COVID <laughs> and they were all fully vaxxed. So it was quite ironic, really, you know. Well, I think we all know the COVID vaccine never worked, certainly didn't stop transmission. And I, I have my serious doubts as to it, whether it actually makes any difference to whether or not you catch it in the first place. But, uh, you know, that's an argument. Well, it, that, it, it, uh, it did a lot of are, things, Those Peter, who are jabbed will, will uh, uh, have until the end of the day, won't they? Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think the COVID jab did a lot of things. I don't think it prevented COVID. That's not one of them, though. So what was the method of them letting you go? Was there any heart-to-heart, face-to-face from the management of the band, from Ellie Campbell himself? No, no, it was done by text message. Um, and then I put a post out. I put a quite, a, you know, a, a nice post out just saying, look, you know, my, my time with the band has kind of unfortunately reached its end, explained the situation, that it can be no more because I refuse to have the jab. And they put a counter uh, statement and, and said, you know, that I should have talked to them and something maybe could have been worked out. But, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the truth. Um, so, you know, here we are, um, and it's like four years, three years later. Um, how's the but band, it is what it is. You how's know? the band gone? Are they still working, still able to get gigs? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't, I'm well there yet. Obviously, they're still gigs and they went out and got the jab so they could continue working and travel abroad. Um, and, they're, yeah, they're touring all over the place. Um, I don't think the band is, is earning much more than they were. Um, I'm sure Ali's enjoying the, the row of shows that he's uh, constantly booking in there. But um, I don't talk to them anymore. You know, I, I, I felt let down by nearly all of them. You know, it was ridiculous. 12 years of service, 12 years of being like a family on the road together and then just because you, you refuse to receive an experimental jab that you're kind of ostracized and people just completely get rid of you and it's like nothing ever happened you know you just a just something to to toss aside and all right we'll get somebody else in there there's no loyalty there at all um but yeah i mean i'm gradually picking up my career now finally after that that amount of time as well and it's um it's nice to get out there and start performing my own music and my own songs that I've written myself and seeing the, the response from people here in the UK. I've been doing quite a few festivals. I've been headlining a festival last Saturday, which was wonderful. Um, I've got my own shows coming up in the future uh, towards the end of the year and in the new year. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really enjoying this period in time now and it's kind of I can breathe again, you know, because it, it really was a point where I lost everything. Um, it was like I say this to a lot of people, the analogy that it was like standing on the edge of a cliff looking out to sea thinking, well, what am I going to do now? I don't know how to do anything else other than drive a car. So it was either carry on doing music or become a taxi driver or something. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, you talked earlier in the interview. That's where we are now, Peter. Yeah, you talked earlier in the interview about you wrote the song Happy because you've suffered from mental health issues, you've suffered from depression. So did you go into a bit of a funk when you were chucked out of UB40? I did. And I, I, I mean, if you speak to most uh, touring musicians, you go through a period when you get back off tour uh, because you've been away from home for so long, you kind of tend to go into your own state of lockdown anyway. You just want to stay at home and be a cage potato and do nothing, you know. But that period only lasts for a certain amount of weeks and then you kind of work comes back in again and you're back on the plane and you're off doing something else. That never happened, obviously, with lockdown. It kind of just carried on and carried on and carried on. So it, it did impact my mental health, absolutely. 
Um, what got me out of it was literally writing a new album. I thought I need to keep my brain working. I need to keep the cogs turning. Um, so being creative uh, for me was the only way to separate myself from the real world and go into my own little world. And that's where I wrote a whole whole new album basically called Strong. And Strong is the lead track um, from the album, which is very much, um, it's for me, I kind of describe it as Happy's Big Brother. Um, it's very descriptive, it's very poignant, and it's very about where we are now in life and, and that we have to use our inner strength, that you know, we have to be strong. Um, and we will win in the end, you know. And, but that's what got me through. It did affect me. It did affect me um, with the depression. But, you know, you've, you know the triggers as you get older and when you're used to it to, to pull you out of it. So luckily I had that and I also had a wonderful family surrounding me that was extremely supportive. That's good. Tell us then about the mechanics of recording an album. Do you have a studio at home or do you have access to a studio? Is that expensive? And then beyond that, once well, you've got the album released, how do you make money off it these days? Is it just downloads? Because you don't sell CDs in the in the record shop anymore, do you? Well, it, yeah, well it's completely changed from the old days, absolutely. Um, I was fortunate to, to uh, co-write the album with the, the wonderful Elevation, James Crosdale who's an amazing songwriter and an amazing uh, producer. He had his own studio, so we recorded it all there. We had some wonderful guest artists perform on it as well. Um, On Strong, I had the amazing Patricia Lacey do backing vocals for me, and she she was Luther Vandross's backing vocalist. Um, And I had Walter Chancellor Jr., who who was a sax player who played Prince on the Emancipation album, Desi Delura from Los Angeles did a duet with me on Wonderland. You know, it was endless that all these amazing people that got involved with me on this album. Um, yes, you're, you're quite correct. You, you all the all the avenues to, to to sell the album and to get it out there all tend to be digitally now on on, on digital sites, Spotify. You know, your, your iTunes, your, your Apple Music. Um, you don't make a lot. I had a publishing deal with with Sony. Um, they collected my revenue, but obviously they take a cut as well. And when you're not hardly getting anything from revenue as it is, because it's not like the old days, um, I, I, I've, I've left that now. People used to you know, gag for a publishing deal, but I'd rather do it on my own now, but I'd be self-published. Um, but the way to earn money is from playing live. This is why you see all the, the big heritage bands out there um, playing all over the world, because that's the only way to make an income from music you now is to get out there and play it live. Back in the days, what if you released an album, you'd get out there and tour it for, say, two months solid, but that would be it then, and the album would just sell itself because you'd done the promo to push it out there. Nowadays, it's the other way around. You have to get out there constantly for 11 months of the year to, to, to earn a living, basically. So what sort of gigs do you play? What sort of venues do you play these days, Matt? Well, I, I've started doing some wonderful festivals. Um, I did a festival the other day um, called Time to Rise Festival, which was up in the north of England in Lancashire, and they were beautiful, beautiful, wonderful people. The reception was amazing. Um, I did a, a, a show the other day called Comcast, um, which was actually it's like a, an indoor festival, um, and it's it was a festival that, that featured lots of uh, stand-up comedians basically talking about the current period in time we're living in. And making jokes of that, but 
obviously at the end of the evening, you always need a little bit of music. So I, I headlined it at the end with the music um, and got a wonderful response. And from that, I've been asked to do my own shows. You know, people are saying, please come down, uh, come down south, come to London, please come to, to Scotland. We want you. It's been amazing. It just, just it, all of a sudden over the last month or so, it's just triggered. Something's clicked and um, a lot of things are falling into place for me. So I'm really excited, you know, and, and also I have an events company that I'm, I'm looking into starting as well for, for other artists. So you just got to keep your finger in all the different pies, Peter, you know, and hope for the best. And at the moment, luckily, it's uh, things are starting to make sense and, and come to fruition finally. Well, that's great. Are you still still billed as formerly of UB40 or is that connection all gone now in the promotional material around you? I, I, I'm trying to, to step away from it um, because – the attachment, it, it, obviously, for legal reasons, I have to say, I was, I was vocalist with UB40 featuring Ali and Astro because the original lineup, and quite rightly, you know, the, there is a confusion there, and it just adds to the confusion. Um, I am trying to just use my own name now, but if anybody asks, because if you go on Google and put my name in it, it comes up with the link anyway. So, um, but I am being billed as just Matt Hoy um, at the moment, you know, for most of the stuff. Um, yeah, I. I <sighs> I don't really want the attachment anymore. I used it before because I never got the financial gain. So at least I thought, well, I'll use the name to see if I can get myself some work from it that way. Um, which is, you know, has helped in some respect um, and not in others. But, you know, using my own name, I, I can't go wrong. People are just really, especially in a lot of the Freedom and Truthers community now, they're picking up on the lyrics of the, of the songs that I put out there. I performed in a Trafalgar Square in London uh, about three months ago in front of 4,000 people and we performed strong there and it just went down. It, it blew up. It was phenomenal, you know, and just people really connected with the words and everything. So it's a pleasure to do, you know, and people are loving it for, for it to be me and, and not being part of what I was part of previously. Well, that's fantastic. So when you do your shows, you do your gigs, whether it be at festivals or at places like Trafalgar Square, you are you are doing your own material. No, no more old UB forty songs. This is Matt Hoy. This is this is my music. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I would, you know, I mean, that's the thing with all my music on my albums. Um, my first album, I, there was a couple of covers on there. Um, I actually did one with Ali, uh, who the cap fits. But my my latest album, uh, unlike others, is all original. Uh, they're all original songs, and they're quite poignant. That you know. Some are political, some are about mental health, some are about relationships, some are about the world we live in today, but they're all original. If I do do any covers within the show, um, I would never step foot on a UB40 song ever again. I do a lot of John Holt, I do some Bob Marley. Uh, there's, there's a wealth of reggae music out there to choose from. I want to go forward with, with my career. I don't want to go backwards, you know. Totally understandable. All right, then, well, for our Reality Check radio audience, tell us where... People can find your music online. Do they just uh, look up or search for Matt Hoy, say on Spotify or Apple Music, and uh, a good selection of your your album should be there. Absolutely, I'm, I'm on all the digital platforms: Spotify, uh, Apple Music, iTunes, uh, all over YouTube. Um, I've got a channel on YouTube. It's uh, at Matt Hoy Official. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, just find me at Matt Hoy Official. Just come and say hello. Um, you know, the music's out there, I'm out there, I'm doing shows out there, I'm going to be up and down the country, so just, you know, keep check. And if you go onto the social media sites, uh, there's the address for the website there, and that's, that's always updated with 
new pictures and new music and dates of shows and everything. So it's good to catch up with people and good to talk to people. I'm not one of those artists that kind of goes on, performs and then and shoots off. I like to, to speak to people. You know, if they've taken the time to come and watch me and, and buy a ticket, I want to people and, and see who they are and, you know, make friends, as it were. Indeed. Uh, because it's a special industry and it's it's gone through a lot of crap over the last uh, two, two to three years. So we, we need to build it back up and make it special again. Well, it would be fantastic if you could someday make it back to New Zealand. You've entertained us here before when you toured with uh, the band and in the old days, in the last decade or so, as you say, you, you came here on numerous occasions. So maybe it's time for a Matt Hoy solo visit, eh? Well, wouldn't that be wonderful? And, and and the question has been put to me as well, so you never know in the near future, maybe next year I'll make a come out there, yeah. All right, Matt, so good to talk to you. Our very best wishes. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us here on Reality Check Radio. Thanks, Peter. Bye. Bye. Peter Williams from 1 o'clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. The greatest threat to our democracy and our country is the belief that someone else will save it. RCR is on a mission to revive honest media, and now you too can help make that happen. Introducing the Foundation Members Club, the easiest way to support RCR and be rewarded for doing so. Receive exclusive benefits only for members, including your very own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions. And also, our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, delivered to your email inbox every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio members and see how you too can join the mission that's making a difference. <laughs>